right, time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. I'm doing this on drugs. We now suffer from the pirate Christian radio plague. John brought it. He was plague-ridden. Shared his flu with everybody. So, uh... Yeah, it's a cold. It's a cold. It's a disease. But, uh... We're slugging through it. In fact, it'll... (laughs) The Pirate Christian Radio Plague will play into today's show uh, rather nicely. We've got quite a program lined up for you today. Uh... Just a couple of things I'd like to remind you guys about. If you uh, if you would like to listen to Pirate Christian Radio live in your car, uh, you can actually do that. Believe it or not, if you have an iPhone, it works really well on the iPhone 3G. But if you have an iPhone uh, and you want to listen to Pirate Christian Radio in your car, you know, get that. You can actually do it. Um, there's a little application called Tuner. That you can purchase. It's like four or five bucks to buy Tuner, and there's a simple URL. It used to the the updated the new update to the Tuner software makes it possible for us to put in like the most minimalistic URL possible. You basically buy the software, install it on your iPhone 3G, and then and uh, go to our website. You know, go to piratechristianradio.com and uh, click on the iPhone icon there. Uh, the the new uh, version of Tuner lets you put in like the most minimalistic uh, URL ever. I think it's like www.live365.com forward slash play forward slash c rosebro thirty three, and uh, you're you're good to go. It'll work on an iPod too, but you have to have an internet connection, so you can't listen in your car unless you have a really really good Wi-Fi connection that go- broadcasts like twenty or thirty miles. Yeah. <laughs> So it makes it possible for you to listen to Pirate Christian Radio live in your car. Just wanted to remind you guys about that. Next week's going to be an interesting week. I'm going to be on the road. I, I yesterday I recorded while on the road, and it just it kind of threw me off. You know, <laughs> yesterday's program was you know, part of it was recorded literally in a hotel suite, and uh, the ambient noise was distracting to say the least. So I'm going to have to figure something out. But uh, next week I'm going to be in Chicago at uh, Willow Creek for the Reveal Now conference. So uh, I'll be giving some updates, and I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do my program yet, specifically on Tuesday and Wednesday. Those are going to be challenging days because I'm going to be at the conference. And so I'll have to, like, pre-record the, d- the day before. And, and so you, you guys might be getting Memorex instead of live uh, Rosebro. But we've done that before, just haven't told you. <laughs> Plus, most of our listeners are podcast listeners anyway. So, anyway, I just want to let you know. And then what's really interesting, talk with Doug Padgett today from the Emergent Church Movement. He's the pastor of Solomon's Solomon's Porch up in um, Minneapolis, I think. And uh, he's he's one of the head gurus of Emergentism. And uh, I just got done reading his book, A Christianity Worth Believing. Yeah, that's that's the name of his latest tome. And uh, what's funny is, is that, uh, you know, there's it's a very interesting book. I mean, I, I you know, I enjoyed the shack, yeah, at least from a theologizing point of view, just because I'm nerdy and I like theologizing. So, you know, it, you know, I enjoyed his book, you know, but uh, definitely think that uh, there's some things that he's way, way off. But uh, I'm going to interview him on Monday 
And the purpose of the interview is not to debate him, so don't don't get your hopes up if you're thinking, oh, man, Roseboro's going to take Padgett out. Uh, that's really not the goal of the interview. I, I have some follow-up questions to the things that he brought up in his book, and we'll, I'll be discussing them during the course of the interview. And my goal in the interview is to really you know, ask him the questions and let him speak for himself so that, uh, you know, that you can better understand where he's coming from. And what's interesting is, is that, uh, you know, not everything he says is off completely off base. He has some pretty good ideas, but he's also got some really bad ideas. And there's some things I agree with him about, and there's some things that I strongly disagree with him about. And so when I talked with him today, I said, listen, I want to let you know that, you know, you and I are like, you know, we're different universes as far as theology is concerned. But, uh, you know, I, I don't want, this isn't going to be an attack interview. This is really, I, I want to ask tough questions to help bring out some more of what your thoughts so that uh, people can understand, uh, you know, some of the things that you wrote in your book. And he was, uh, you know, I've talked with him before, and the last time I talked with him, it didn't go so well. But this time it went a lot better. So uh, he's, uh, we're going we're gonna to re-record, we're going to record that interview on Monday next week, and hopefully we'll be able to have it up, uh, the post-production work in time, in order to play it for Monday's show. Um, so th- it's going to be really interesting stuff, you know, working the uh, the beat here at Pirate Christian Radio and, you know, getting some stuff out. I think this is going to be really interesting with the Reveal Now conference talking about, you know, the seeker-sensitive movement 2.0. Okay, we screwed up on the 1.0. We're not making disciples. We're just entertaining goats. So what do we do now to fix that? That's kind of the, that's Roseboro's interpretation of the Reveal Now conference. And uh, anyway, so today's uh, program, we got to, uh, we got listener email we're going to be going through. Uh, we're going to talk about bong hits off the baby Jesus. Um, <laughs> just, I got Somebody emailed me, and they were really upset that I was, uh, you know, regarding the whole token the Holy Ghost controversy that I've been, you know, playing here on the program. And this guy is defending the practice of token the Holy Ghost. So we'll, we'll t- we're going to take it to the next level. We'll read his email, give a biblical critique, and uh, and in the course of that, we'll talk about taking bong hits off the baby Jesus. Um, we're going to do some news stories here today. We're going to talk about uh, here in uh, Southern California, they recently had a blessing of the waves. You know, <laughs> a <laughs> an ecumenical religious service out in the surf to bless the surf, which, which is kind of dumb because it's like the tail end of the surfing season here. And unless you're like really a dedicated, hardcore surfer, uh, moving forward from you know middle October all the way through to like May, the water's going to be like in the 50s here in Southern California, and so you got to wear a wetsuit and you have to be super dedicated. You get it in the water that cold, it hurts your head. It's it you know it you know it's so ridiculously chilly. But they just had a blessing of the waves, and uh, we'll read about that. And then we're going to talk about the nightmare at Guts Church. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard of the Nightmare Before Christmas? Well, Guts Church, uh, we've uh, talked about him, uh, you know, the, the pastor there, Bill Shear. We uh, did a sermon review. We'll, in fact, we'll do a, a little bit of a sermon review for Bill Shear today. They've uh, they've got a uh, a October extravaganza going on there. You've heard of haunted houses and, you know, fright nights and things like that, you know. And so during October at uh, Guts Church, they've got their own haunted mansion. And they've they've made the news, and uh, you know what's funny is is that that's kind of like the least of my worries. Because wait till you hear uh, what I play for you from his current uh, sermon series called "You University." It's all about you, you know. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Bill Shear from Guts Church. He reminds me of Rex Quando from Napoleon Dynamite. Every time I listen to this guy, these guys, this, his sermons, it's like you know, I'm Rex Quando. Yeah, you know, I'm Guts Church. Yeah, you know, we do manly things. We shave. We do. We ride motorcycles. Guts Church. Blah. <laughs> I wonder if his. Never mind. Anyway, so we're. <laughs> Yeah, U University. U that's that's the name of his current sermon series. It's called U University, and there's apparently 100 different like truth statements that he's working his way through. Bullwinkle, what's the matter you? Yeah, that's right. I, that that Bullwinkle, what's the what's matter you? Yeah, I think uh, I think Bill Shear from uh, Gus Church uh, definitely graduated from King and the Duke University. When you hear what's going on here. Anyway, so that's today's program. We can't wait to get into it. So why don't we just dive right in? We got some listener email here. Uh, Walker writes from Champaign, Illinois. He says, "I just listening to the Masters em- Mastering Emotions uh, program. That was yesterday's program. We reviewed uh, David Foster's sermon on mastering your emotional monsters." <sighs> anyway, he says, "I agree with uh, the pastor that wasting time is a great evil." And he says, I I just wasted my time. I think that has eternal consequences. (laughs) I'm sorry that you wasted your time. I I hope you kind of got the idea of why we uh, brought that particular sermon to light, because uh, even though he had a lot to say about other churches getting it wrong, I don't really recall much scripture being taught. I mean, anyway. Okay, so, uh, and then uh, Scott Gherkin writes from Oakwood, Illinois, and he was talking about the... uh, uh, re- responding to the news story that we read yesterday about the congregations that are closing their doors in order to, quote, be the church. Now, Scott didn't think I'd, I went far enough in my critique, so let me read Scott's email. It says, Chris, in my estimation, you did an excellent job of describing the error in those congregations that close their doors on Sundays to help their communities. You rightly asserted that the hallmarks of the church are the gathering of God's people to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread and the prayers. However, I don't think you went far enough. So, wow, taking on the host here. He, he's right, by the way. But anyway, he says, I, char- I charge that when churches close their doors to serve the community and, quote, be the church, they essentially cease to be the church. The church is built on and sustained by the teaching of Christ, not the feeding of bellies. Yeah, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. He says there's nothing wrong with churches feeding and serving, but dis- but to despise preaching and uh, preaching and God's word in such a way that it is that it is expendable in the course of the Lord's day is utterly despicable and sadly common. It is at this it is at that point that we make the activity known as church about us instead of Christ. Scott, you're absolutely spot dead right on. Good good contribution. Good. Good points. Yeah, I agree. This you know, and so what's funny is is that um, I'm reading um, uh, was it Revolution? It's one of the new church, uh, new books out there. Um, Barna, one of Barna's books, and uh, and Mike Horton from White Horse Inn talked about this on on a show on Sunday. In fact, if you, if you guys have if you didn't hear the White Horse Inn on Sunday, go to the whitehorseinn.org site and listen to to this past Sunday's show. And what's interesting is is um, that you know we've gone from you know church to the church growth movement, and now there's a new movement afoot. It's the no church movement. I kid you not. It's the no church movement. Just get your spiritual teaching online. Feed yourself. You don't need a pastor. You need a life coach. 
And this comes out loud and clear in Barna's book, uh, Revolution. And uh, I'll be probably talking about that one in the next couple of weeks. But uh, it's on my current list of things that uh, we're talking, you know, that I'm reading. Um, okay. Bong hits off the baby Jesus. Okay. This is the token the Holy Ghost controversy that we've talked about here at Fighting for the Faith. And um, last week, I, I, there was a show called uh, you know, Deceived by the Token the Holy Ghost uh, Heresy. And I played to you, I played for you audio from a gal named Aurora in the Desert. That's her handle on uh, YouTube. And she's a, uh, an 18-year-old gal. I, don't, I think she's from Canada. I'm not exactly sure where she's from. And uh, she was defending this whole Token the Holy Ghost thing that you know, we've played before from John Crowder and people like that. And um, and so I actually sent her an email and basically said, you know, hey, you know, I, you're in my prayers. I want to let you know you're deceived. You might want to listen to our radio program and, you know, and, you know, really open up your, you know, listen to what God's word says so that you're not deceived and go to hell. You know, I said it in love, though. You know, I was I was very loving and kind. And uh, and so one of the groupies from the, the their YouTube band emailed me and he was really upset. Okay, for, for regarding last week's show. In fact, he opens his email with these words. Okay, wise guy. Now, that's how you score points with the host of a radio program. Call him a wise guy. <laughs> he says, okay, wise guy, here's the scripture you so arrogantly glossed over regarding the impartation of the Holy Spirit through breath and God-given prophetic symbolism. Yeah, that's it. Interesting opening. Apparently, you know, I'm I'm way off track, and I'm not aware of what God's word teaches regarding token the Holy Ghost. And so he quotes this passage. Doesn't even give me the reference, but I know the reference. He says, it, "This is a reference from John chapter 20, by the way." And here's what it says. He's in his email. He quotes it and says, "And when he, that's Jesus, said this, he breathed on them, the disciples, and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit.' And that that's his that's his scriptural proof." for the uh, impartation of the Holy Spirit, or token the ghost, as they call it. And he says, this is what John Crowder and others are referring to. But they use the word toke, so it can be readily grasped by those who are bound in today's drug culture. And the reason you guys on the radio have never received the Holy Spirit this way is because you have no faith. And you dishonor God and his ways. I would be amazed if you had any power at all in your life. Or are you still stuck in dry churchianity? <laughs> Woo! There, there's an argument. I better repent. No, seriously. This Anyway, I, I wrote him back. This, this kid's very deceived, and he needs to understand what God's word actually says. So I wrote him back, and I, I, I told him, I, his name is James. I said, James, thanks for writing. However, quoting John twenty twenty two out of context does not support the practice of token the ghost. Now, before I go on and read, read more of my email and my response to young James, who says I'm a wise guy and that I apparently don't know anything about the Holy Spirit— um, I think it's important that uh, I play for you uh, some samples of what it is that I'm talking about here. And uh, this is a, a this is audio from a YouTube video from a guy by the name of Stacy Stacy Den Boer. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Maybe it's one of those French Boyer. Maybe his his, his name. And uh, this guy posts a lot of YouTube videos up there. You know where he actually takes bong hits off the baby Jesus. This falls into the same category as the token the Holy Ghost. 
And so I'm going to play some audio. You're going to hear him breathing. And the, the video starts off with him. He's got the baby Jesus stuck in his mouth like a... You know, like he's smoking the baby Jesus. It's a plastic baby Jesus doll. And so let, let's hear from Stacy here as he takes a bong hit off the J, the baby Jesus. Oop, hang on a second there. It would help if I turned up the audio on my board. Here we go. Now that's that's Stacy taking a hit off a of baby Jesus. Now he's blowing, you know, at you so that you can receive this special Holy Spirit impartation. Man, I've just been getting so jacked up on Jesus. <laughs> just getting all whacked up. <sighs> okay, he really looks like he's had too much to drink or you know maybe he was smoking something prior to the you know to the baby jesus he was some smoking something else uh this doesn't make good radio because he just looks terrible just receive. he's actually drooling Looks like he's having a bowel movement. Okay, he's he's bearing down. We we may not want to watch the rest of that. But here's Stacy from another video. By the way, you can find that one on YouTube. It's called Jacked Up on Jesus. And uh, here's another one from Stacy. And he's talking about special impartation that he received from that gal that from the audio we played last week. And this weekend I got an impartation from. Aurora in the desert because she went to John Crowder and I got hit with some heavy Gloria waves when I was watching hit the Jesus bong his uh, latest video and I'm just getting so like jacked up on Jesus and I just want to get to that place where I'm traveling around in an electric chair with a puddle of drool on my lap where I'm just in the padded room of heaven just taking one jacked up hit after the other. So just receive the weight of heaven okay don't want to be receiving any of that so there this is another example i played this is probably the third time i've touched on this subject and this this crowd actually thinks that they're experiencing the the holy spirit of the bible yeah by sucking on plastic dolls taking bong hits off the baby jesus um you know there there's i've seen some other videos where you know i think i played the one where john crowder was uh uh, taking hits off of a piece of olive wood from the Mount of Olives, uh, they were they were snorting dust from Jesus's tomb. I mean, th- I know it sounds absolutely crazy. Like, who in their right mind would believe this stuff? Well, the reality is, is that these guys claim to be Christians. They claim that this is the actual Holy Spirit that they're experiencing, 
And so my question is, is that, you know, can you prove this from Scripture? And I pointed out last week that uh, what was missing from Aurora and the Desert's video and her defense of all of this was any biblical backing whatsoever. So that was the point of James's email. He, you know, he, he quotes John chapter 20, uh, verse uh, verse 22, completely out of context and says this, that, you know, I arrogantly glossed over that. And that that's an example of an impartation of the Holy Spirit through breath and God given prophetic symbolism. So um, <clears throat> here's the deal, though. He, he quoted it out of context. Is this does John chapter 20, verse 22, support bong hits off the baby Jesus or token the Holy Ghost or any of the stuff that these people are doing in the in the quote name of Christianity? You know, does does God promise to to make you whacked out high in the spirit to the point where, you know, you, you're probably not safe to yourself and others uh, intoxicated in the Holy Ghost, you know, drinking the new wine of heaven? Any of that, does he promise, does this verse support that? The answer is no, it actually doesn't. The Bible doesn't support this at all. And quoting to me, John 20, 22, out of context, doesn't support their cause. So let's get into scripture and let's read it in context. And I'll read in context starting at verse 20. So um, John chapter 20, verse 20 says this, And when Jesus had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. He has appeared now, post-resurrection appearance, to the disciples. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now, this is important because the context here in John chapter 20, this is, if you would, almost an, an, an ordination of sorts. This is, this is where the disciples go from being disciples to being apostoloi, the apostles, the, the sent ones. That's what apostle, apostle means, one who is sent. So here, this is where the actual sending took place. So this is where they go from being disciples to being apostles. This is their receipt. This is Christ himself sending them out. And you'll notice here that this isn't Jesus sending or this isn't an example of Jesus doing something for the general Christian population. This is specifically for the disciples. So he says, uh, so it says, as the father sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, Jesus breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, so he, he breathes on them as part of the sending, says receive the Holy Spirit. And here's the other part of this in context. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. That goes with that verse of the sending of the Holy Spirit or the receiving of the Holy Spirit. Now, why is that important? What's with this forgiving of sins and uh, withholding of sins. What's that all about? Well, actually, this goes part and parcel with what Jesus said the Holy Spirit, you know, the work of the Holy Spirit would be uh, when he sent the Holy Spirit. Now, where do we learn about this? We learn about this earlier in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 16, and I'll read it starting in verse 7, but it's a, it's a, you know if you want to read the whole thing, go back and, and do this. Always test out what Rosebro says against God's word in context. Okay, so Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. That's John chapter 16, verse seven It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he, the Holy Spirit, will convict 
the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Okay? So how do you know? How can we know with certainty that the Holy Spirit is acting and moving? Is it because somebody takes a bong hit off the baby Jesus and starts writhing on the floor and acting like a complete intoxicated goofball? Well, we don't have a word on that, do we? Is it? Can we know for certain that the Holy Spirit is acting because uh, somebody speaks in tongues? Actually, no. That's not a surefire sign that the Holy Spirit, the, the one true God, God the Holy Spirit, is actually moving. The reason why is because many religious systems engage in tongues. In fact, I can give you one from ancient history. You guys remember the Oracle at Delphi? You familiar with that? The Oracle at Delphi. Think back to Greek history here. Oracle of Delphi. There was a temple in, the, in a town called Delphi. That temple was built because there were some sailors who were out on the sea. And, the, and apparently Apollo appeared to these sailors. The, that's the false god Apollo. Appeared to these sailors and told in the form of a dolphin and told them to build a temple at this place. So they obeyed the dolphin who happened to be Apollo and built the temple of Apollo in Delphi. Now at the temple of Apollo in Delphi, there was an oracle. And what they would do is, is, the, is, the, is the temple priestesses had what was called the spirit of Pythos, okay, that would come upon them. And there were these gases that were seeping out into the basement, into the lower part of this temple. And they would breathe in these, these volcanic gases and go into a state of ecstasy. And they would speak in tongues, okay? And what would happen is, is that the priest at Delphi would then interpret this ecstatic speech and, you know, so people would come there and, and, and try to get information. Well, one of the people who went to the Oracle of Delphi was Alexander the Great. You know, prior to his going out and conquering the world, he actually went over to Delphi to get information about this. In fact, if you've seen the movie 300, they have a, a scene in there of people visiting the Oracle of Delphi. Okay? So... That's just an example of a false religion that engages in ecstatic speech. So can we, if someone's speaking in tongues, do we know that's the Holy Spirit? Well, no. Even if they claim that, they're, that they are Christians, we can't even know that with certainty. Okay, we have to check their doctrine. What do they confess? What do they teach? What do they believe? All right? So tongues is not a surefire way. How about miracles? Is that a surefire way of knowing that the Holy Spirit is acting? Well, no, not even there, because Jesus Christ warns us himself and says that in the last day there will be false Christs and false prophets who will perform miracles so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. So, token the Holy Spirit, we can't know with certainty because we have no sure word of God on that, that God the Holy Spirit would act in such a way. Tongues is not a surefire way of knowing that the Holy Spirit is acting. And even miracles is not a surefire way of knowing that, we, that, that the Holy Spirit is acting. However, Jesus Christ in John chapter 16 gives us a surefire way of knowing that the Holy Spirit, that the one true God, the Holy Spirit, is acting. We can say with certainty that God the Holy Spirit is acting when people are being convicted of their sins, convicted regarding righteousness and judgment. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Let me read Jesus' words again. If I go, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you, and when he comes... He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. 
That's how you can know with certainty that the Holy Spirit is working. Are men's sins being exposed and convicted? Are people being convicted regarding righteousness and judgment? When that happens, we know that the Holy Spirit is moving. We can know with certainty because that's what Christ says. We have a sure and certain word there. So, um, going back to my email to James, um, said it's not an accident that Jesus, at the impartation verse there in uh, John chapter 20, uh, uh, 23, says along, uh, says that if you forgive people their sins, they are forgiven, and if you withhold the forgiveness of sins, it is withheld. Notice that the context of the passage is dealing with Jesus' sending of the disciples into the world. Jesus breathes on them to receive the Holy Spirit as part of their sending, okay? And then, along with the sending, Jesus gives the disciples authority to forgive and withhold sins. This is not an accident because we know that the Holy Spirit is moving when people are convicted regarding their sins because Jesus said so in John chapter 16, verse uh, 8. In other words, we know the Holy Spirit is at work when people are convicted of their sins. Now, James, you claim you are experiencing the Holy Spirit, but I don't see you or others involved in this toking the Holy Spirit nonsense or taking bong hits off the baby Jesus nonsense being convicted regarding your sins or righteousness or judgment. Therefore, there's no biblical reason for me to believe that you're experiencing the, the true Holy Spirit, but instead it's clear that you're experiencing a deceiving spirit. Now, I want you to know that I'm praying for you, James. Specifically, I'm praying that Jesus Christ would open your eyes and set you free from the deception that holds you in bondage. I want you to know that you're following a satanic counterfeit of Christianity that will leave you in your sins and send you to hell. That's what I wrote back to James. So, And I share that with you so that you too, all of you guys, can be praying for James. Pray that Christ would set him free from the bondage that he is in to this token, the Holy Ghost stuff, that there is no biblical basis for this. But these are the days we live in, folks. These are the days we live in where anything goes. And uh, despite the fact that we are awash in Bibles, no one seems to be reading them anymore. No one seems to even know what it is they teach. Know what they say. Anyway. All right, we're going to take a a break real quick here. So if you would like to uh, email me, And let me know how unloving I am because I don't believe that that's the Holy Spirit working when they're taking bong hits off the baby Jesus. You can do so. Talk back at fightingforthefaith.com. That's talk back at fightingforthefaith.com. And we will be right back. If you want advice on how to have your best life now, you're in the wrong place. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Hi, I'm Patrick Kyle, a founding partner of New Reformation Press. Just as the first Reformation rediscovered, reclaimed, and restated timeless truths from the Word of God, 
The mission of New Reformation Press is to reintroduce these truths to the contemporary church and culture. All of our resources are handpicked to ensure that you have the best available biblical and doctrinal materials at your fingertips to help you grasp the treasures of the Reformation and deepen your own understanding of Christ and His work on your behalf. Browse our website at newreformationpress.com. We offer books, CDs, downloadable MP3s, and our very own line of Reformation-themed clothing. Check out the audio presentation, Bible in an Hour. Absolutely the finest overview of the scriptures that the staff at New Reformation Press has ever heard. Also, Dr. Rod Rosenblatt's presentation, The Gospel for Those Broken by the Church. A stunning 200-proof presentation of the gospel for those who have been hurt by the church and discouraged as a result of false teaching. Available exclusively through NewReformationPress.com. Again, that's NewReformationPress.com. Little technical difficulties there. No problem. We'll just roll with it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseboro, and I am your servant in Christ. My job every day on this radio program is to dish up a dose, a daily offering of biblical discernment. What we do here at Fighting for the Faith is that we equip God's sheep using God's word to defend themselves against wolves, and then we take some shots at wolves while we're at it. Might as well have some target practice, right? Oh, man, bong hits off the baby Jesus. I, it just can't get any more wrong than that. I mean, just, uh, And the fact that I would get an email from a guy defending it? Couldn't pass up that opportunity. Anyway, we gotta, we're going to switch over to the news today. Yeah, right now, we've got news. This is from the Orange County Register. Thanks to the wonderful press-clipping abilities of my wife, the lovely Mrs. Rosebro, Barbara. The headline reads, Blessing of the Waves brings surfers brings in surfers and worshipers. The blessing of the waves. I didn't know that waves could be blessed. You know, now, since waves are already made of water, do you use holy water to bless a wave? You know, I, I'm just, I'm really curious. Anyway, this is by Ann Burris of the Orange County Register here in uh, Orange County, California. <laughs> Dateline, Huntington Beach. About 400 people gathered at sunrise Sunday to thank God for a gnarly ocean and to hang ten on some righteous waves. I think I read that wrong. I, so, like, you know, dude, like, you know, like so to thank God for, like, gnarly ocean and, like, to hang ten on some righteous waves, dude. <clears throat> you should see the kids here in San Clemente. You know, I, I bodyboard during the summer when it's warm because I don't like putting on a wetsuit because I look like a... Aquatic mammal, a very large aquatic mammal. When I put on a wetsuit, it's just not a good look for me. So, like when I'm in the summertime, you know, I go out to T Street and, and go bodyboarding, and you get these kids out there, you know, who are like, I think they're in the ocean from like 5 a.m. until about dusk. They're, uh, you know, and you listen to some of these guys talk, and it's like, dude, yeah, man, and you know, they're really laid back. Their hairdo is like. The frizziest thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, these kids look like they have mops on their head. And then when they get out of the water and they're walking around, you can spot them anywhere in San Clemente. They they, they just have that surfer thing going on. But I don't think they say gnarly and righteous anymore. That might be dated. You know. Okay. Anyway, <clears throat> we read. The Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange hosted its first blessing of the waves, inviting ocean-minded people from all faiths to find common ground at Surf City's shores. 
they hoped to make the blessing an annual event. Quote, You get a different perspective when you are in touch with creation and the ocean and share that with the people around you, said Huntington Beach resident Fran Buzinski, who attended the event. A conch shell was blown to start the event, and representatives from Muslim, Jewish, Catholic, and Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints faiths prayed together for the participants and for the ocean. There was also, uh, in attendance there, was a Basma Khalifa of the Religion of Submission. She was there, too. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> so, quote, All the world sings to you. And we sing to you, O God, who makes all things one, said Carol Weinfeld with the Temple Beth David in Westminster. So this was a multi-faith thing. And there were Catholics, Muslims, Jews, no, no Muslims, Jews, Catholics, and Mormons, and uh, Basma Khalifa from the Religion of Submission, all together at this interfaith blessing of the waves. Do you think God heard their prayer? Because, I mean, think of it this way. The Latter-day Saints, when they pray to God, they pray to uh, Elohim, who lives on planet Kolob, who has multiple spirit wives, and he was once a man like we are now, and he became a god by becoming obedient to his god. So the god of the, of the Latter-day Saints is an idol who doesn't exist any more than Baal does, right? Yeah, well, well, see, that's the thing. There's only one true god. And so if you're invoking, if you're, if you're there invoking God and you don't believe in the real God, then is that God, is your God going to hear you? I mean, idolatry today is so much more sophisticated than it was, you know, uh, thousands of years ago. Back a thousand years ago, when you wanted to make an idol, you would go and you'd cut down a tree, get out a hatchet or whatever tools of the artisan trade for making idols, you know, had at the time. And you would make yourself an idol and, you know, you know, chip the wood away and, you know, make a boogie face on it or multiple boogie faces if you want to. You know, Ashura, Baal, name the, name the god. And if you were really wealthy, you can afford one that was made out of stone. You know, but for the everyday common worker, you know, you know, you can go and buy a small idol statue or you can carve one for yourselves. And then what you do is after you've made yourself your idol, you bow down to it, right? You bow down to the work of your hands. Well, see, in the 21st century, here in America, that wouldn't go over so well, okay? We're much more sophisticated. What we do is we skip the make your idol stage with, with, uh, you know, with the wood or the, the stone or whatever. We skip that stage altogether, and what we do is we fabricate idols using basically coming up with an idea. I think God is like a fuzzy bunny, and he loves us, and he would never do anything bad to us, and he loves everybody, and we're all his children, well, that's an idol, okay? You just made an idol. You just didn't use wood or stone or whatever to make it. You just created it in your mind. See, we skipped that stage. We, our, our idols are very Gnostic. They're non-material, but they're just ideas. So here we've got all these people in this interfaith blessing of the waves, and my question is, did, did the one true God show up? I didn't hear Christ being proclaimed. Well, let, let's continue. So all the world sings to you. We sing to you, O God, who makes all things one. Two Catholic priests sprinkled the audience with seawater and then burned written prayers in a small fire as part of the blessing. You burn your prayers? Does that make God listen to them more if you burn them? Write your prayer down and then burn it. 
are there any instances in the Bible of that happening? I mean, seriously, I I can't recall one. It's, it, it sounds so pietistic, though. You know, write a prayer and burn it, and, and it symbolizes it flying up to heaven like smoke. <sighs> okay, <clears throat> so, all right, see, the burn written prayers in a small fire is part of the blessing. Sunday's event followed Saturday's Feast of St. Francis of Assisi, the patron saint of ecology. I did not know that Francis of Assisi is now the patron saint of ecology. About two dozen surfers stood solemnly in front of their boards during the ceremony as a backdrop to the event, and two bands played religious songs and surf tunes. Well, a bunch just combine them, religious surf tunes. I mean, wouldn't that... Yeah, why not? So regardless of religious tradition these days... It is all about ecology and global issues, said Victor Cow, a 22-year-old who was leading, who was the lead vocalist for the Catholic band Under Sky. The service concluded with a ceremonial swim where surfers sat on their boards in a circle past the surf break. The idea of the blessing came after priests that surf in Huntington Beach in South County noticed that surfers will sometimes informally congregate to pray before surfing in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Again, I just asked my simple question. Did the God of the Bible actually show up? Did he hear their prayers, considering that none of them were really truly praying to him? Should we be gathering together with people of other faiths to bless the waves? And even if we get together in a solemn circle and swim past the surf breaks, will God be there with us? Well, he hasn't promised to be there with us when we do such things, but he does promise to be there when in the, when we gather in his name to feast on his word and his sacraments, Christ promises to be there. The one true God in human flesh promises to be there. When in his name we gather to feast on his word, to proclaim him and his gospel that he's crucified for the sins of the world. But uh, the patron saint of ecology was invoked there. Anyway, thought I'd share that with you. All right, next <laughs> news story. Now, this one, I'm gonna, I'll be blunt. Okay, this one's different. And uh, last time we talked about Guts Church and Pastor Rex Quando. Actually, that's not his name, but I, he, he sounds like Rex Quando. You'll hear that when we get to the sermon review today. Um, Rex Quando, uh, you know, they have the Nightmare at Guts Church every October, and they got some press regarding this. And I'm going to play for you uh, the audio from the news story about Guts Church's haunted house that they held during the whole month of October so without any further ado, here is a, a news story on Guts Church's Nightmare. I understand this haunted house is much different than what you normally see around Halloween. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's fright with a message, Carol. Very good crowd out here. Very lively. No zombies out here. Guts is both the name of the church and what you'll have to have to make it through this horrified house. The explosion ripped the school bus in half, mangled students at every turn. So they're showing the inside of what this haunted house looks like at Guts Church. Um, a bus has been ripped in half. There's students strewn everywhere. There's blood and guts. You know, so this, I mean, kind of, that's really frightening. A teenage girl clutching her severed arm. The, the theme this year is terrorism. Pastor Bill Shear welcoming the masses to his 15th annual Glimpse of Hell. 
a blood and guts sermon. Is We just don't want to be gross. We want it to be impacting. The trauma of school shootings driven home by a bullied student in a cafeteria. Now, I, I, this, I want to describe what I'm seeing here. They actually, part of this Guts Church's haunted house is they've got, they've one of the rooms they have is made to look like a cafeteria at a school, a high school. And they're going to, and part, they actually have a kid playing out where he's going to shoot a, a, a teacher in the head and kill another student. He holds up a gun and everybody starts running and getting under tables. Twelve-year-old Kennedy, the pastor's daughter and background actor in a scene where a teacher and two students are killed. It doesn't really give you nightmares. It does the exact opposite. It makes you feel safe. The final scene, not fake. A one-on-one -on -one prayer session with every viewer, young and old. Okay, so you go through the haunted mansion, and at the end of it, somebody will pray with you after you've had your wits scared out of you. You know, can you, I, I'm serious. I, I I can't stand those haunted mansions myself personally. Can't I've been to a couple of them in my lifetime, and just I hate having things pop out at me. Um, but I mean, they these guys. This is obviously very. They put a lot of money into this thing. I mean, this looks they look like Hollywood sets. You know, so you got kids running around with severed arms and guts everywhere, a kid, another kid shooting a teacher and a student in a cafeteria and, you know, then glimpses of hell. And uh, and at the end of it, they have somebody pray with you. So listen, listen to the, how many people attend this thing. All right, I mean. Kenneth Beatty's grandson helped put the show on. How does he feel about using a pagan holiday for a Christian message? I think the devil's used Halloween for years and years. It's time we took it away from him. Beating the devil at his own game. There was one part that scared everybody. One boo at a time. All right, so are they getting the message out? Well, if attendance is any indication, this year they're expecting some 30,000 people, including a license plate from Wisconsin. Live at Guts Church, Burt Mumolo, News Channel 8. All right, so 30,000 people are going to be going through Guts Church's haunted house there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Guts Church. Pastor Rex Quan Do. Um, and... And afterwards, people are going to pray. So they're, they're sparing no expense to reach out to people. And uh, obviously, this is good press and good media for their church. And uh, if somebody goes to this and goes to their haunted mansion and then has somebody pray with them and decides, you know what, maybe I'll go to Guts Church and hear what Pastor Shear has to say on a Sunday morning. The question I have, will they be given Christ and him crucified or something else? Now, there th there's some serious problems here. Okay. This falls under the category of do the ends justify the means? But uh, even worse than that, I mean, I'll be blunt. I mean, as bad as this is, this isn't nearly as bad as the preaching that you're going to hear. And uh, we're going to dive into now uh, the first sermon from the current sermon series that be, that's being preached at Guts Church called You University. You, you. <sighs> it's not about Christ. It's about you. And... um. So we're going to go through that sermon, and uh, you you decide for yourself. Um, stay with me, because the best part of this really starts, I mean, the sermon really starts getting good about 12 minutes in. The, before that, you think, well, maybe this is a Christianist sermon, and then the the bomb drops. So you got to stay with me, because you you got to hear what, what Pastor Bill Shear, otherwise known as Rex Quando, says 
in his uh, sermon. So without any further ado, here is the the beginning portion of the uh, the first sermon in the U University series preached at Guts Church by Pastor Rex Guando. All right, we're starting a new series right here and right now. It's going to be it's going to be historic. It's going to be groundbreaking. It's going to bless everybody in here. I am going to make a hundred points in this in this series, and it's going to start today. Okay, and the the, the title of this series. Let me tell you. I was in my truck with all the girls in my house, and they're all here in the front row. And you guys all know that, like, they they come in very pretty, sweet, they even smell good packages. But then out of nowhere, they can strike. (laughs) I'm in my truck, and I said, okay, I'm starting a series, and I've I've had this, this title for this series bouncing around. And I'm just going to kind of roll it out there because I'm kind of sensing it's significantly cheesy. But it's going to be a strong series, okay? It's going it, to, everything in our life is going to swell. And, I, and they said, okay. And they're looking at me and they're giving me that kind of look like I felt like I was getting teed up, okay? And, um, and so I, uh, I said, okay, here's what it is. You ready? You, university. You, you. And I waited. And look, I'm not limping or anything. I made it out of that truck. It's cheesy. And then Rick West from Harden's Hamburgers added and greasy. Okay? <laughs> this morning at 830. So the title's cheesy and greasy. But this is going to benefit everything, everything in our life, in our world. It's going to change everything. Because what this is going to do, this is going to help build us to be better. Build us to be the overcomers that God's called us to to be. You know, the one thing that you can be sure of is that you've been through a storm, you're in a storm, or you're going through a storm, or you're about to go through a storm all the time. Jesus said, in this world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So what we can't do is let our circumstances dictate what our our present or our future is going to be. Man, we've got to understand that we have to take dominion, that we are in control of our own destinies. What? (laughs) We are in control of our own destinies. John, do you feel like you're in control of your destiny? No. I mean, isn't that kind of oxymoronic? Destiny. 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 No escaping that for me. That's from uh, Young Frankenstein. The... um, the the whole point of destiny is it's something that you're destined to do, not something you're in control of. And yet we're he's saying we're in control of our destinies. Uh, a Bible verse would be helpful here, uh, Pastor Quando. He does sound like Rex Quando. I can't I can't stop calling him that. He sounds just like Rex Quando. And what God's done is He's given us that with the promise of this new life. And what we're to do is I'm going to take you guys to school. And it's going to be for the next month or six weeks that we're going to build us better, build you better. And, you know, what we've got to understand is that that it all starts with the condition of our hearts. Okay, turn in your Bibles. And listen, before we start, let's, let's build you better. And how we have to do that is we've got to stop the bleeding. We've got to end the chaos. We've got to right what's wrong. And then we've got to fix and we've got to mend. And then we've got to get you back on track and get you back out front. You know, this sounds like a 12-step recovery program type of talk. Either that or this is uh, the triage methods that they use when, you know, for battlefield wounds. 
not sure. <laughs> Gotta stop the bleeding. <laughs> you know, toughen up, soldier. <laughs> uh, yeah, we continue. See, what's interesting about this is this is a race that we're running, okay? This life that God's given us. And we run this race as one who wins. As one who wins is one who's out in front. So listen, it's not like God's just got you back in church trying to get you back on track. God has got you back in church to get you out in front. Not just to get you back on track. Not just to get you in a place where, man, things get, things get a little easier for you. No, to get you back out, to get you out front. Man, in the, in just in the, in the, to preface this series, write this down. God has called me to run out front, to be out front, to take the lead. What if I don't want to lead? I mean, if everyone's leading, then who's following? As, I'm, I'm serious. If he wants everybody to be out in front, then who's following? I don't... Anyway. God's called me. Let me tell you, when you take the lead, I'm talking about taking the lead in your health. I'm talking about taking the lead in your finances. I'm talking about taking the lead in your marriage. This relationship series at 5 o'clock on Sunday night, man, I... Uh, in your health, your finances, in your marriage, yeah. Why is this? Uh, this is the American litany of problems. This is so uniquely American, it's not even funny. But Christianity is an American, and Christianity is not about solving American problems. Even though, you know, I'll actually stand up at a baseball game when they sing the national anthem. But I'm sorry, but my allegiance isn't to this nation. My allegiance is to the kingdom of God. And being a good American, I, I mean, being good citizens, it, it is an important thing. But um, Jesus Christ didn't come to solve my earthly problems, so to speak, because I'm sinful and I'm going to die someday. And so are you. But uh, Pastor Kwando will deal with that in a minute. Challenge every married couple in this room, even single people, to come in here and get the tools. Man, you may have the you may have the greatest intent, but if you don't have the tools, you're not going to be able to build or fix your marriage. And what we want to do is so the Bible gives me the tool. The Bible's a toolbox. Hey, can you hand me that wrench there? I got to fix something in my marriage. Yeah, hand me the screwdriver. Got to fix something in my finances. Got to get the tools. Is that what the Bible is? A toolbox? Because we want to give you every tool we can for that to happen. In 1 Peter, the first chapter in the 6th through ninth verses, Peter writes and says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness... Man, um, don't raise your hands, but how many of you guys are grieved by the trial that you're in right now? You know what? That's natural. You're a human being. Man, if you're going through something financially or going through something maritally or going through something in your health right now, man, that's a, that's a, there's a grieving impact to that. But listen, in this you greatly rejoice. Now, it just, it, it, even if you're going through various trials, that the genuineness of your faith. You know, just out of pure curiosity, do you think Peter was talking about having marital problems in First Peter 3? No. You know, by the way, um, in case you're not aware, the apostles suffered one persecution after another. You know, uh, the the trials that they went through were pretty significant. I mean, James was beheaded while he was praying. 
Well, I forget which which of the apostles it's it said that uh, he was killed in 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 a Roman forum, and what they did is they they zipped him up in like an animal skin, like you know, and set the lions out on him. Um, you know, um, it's just one of those things where you just kind of go, "What is this guy talking about?" Where's Peter one? Let's see, let me let me pull this up in my Bible here. Um, we say six. Okay. Look. Let's read it in context. Just we'll do a little contextual work for uh, for Pastor Quando here. It says P- Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect, exiles of the dispersion in Pontius. So he's okay. He's writing to Christians who are exiles as a result of the dispersion, which is a persecution of Christian saints. Uh, the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit for the obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. These are people who had ex- who literally suffered persecution, and some of them death. You know, their their family members were killed for for trusting in Christ. Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unf- and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So he's writing words of comfort to people who've practically lost everything. They were dispersed because of their faith. And he says, to point, he points their direction towards the hope and the inheritance that is awaiting them in heaven. Verse 6, In this you rejoice, though for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. You think so? Being kicked out of your house or being murdered for your faith or having your loved one killed for the faith is, a, is an example of a trial? Yeah, that is. So that the test, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice, and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. So first Peter is written to people who had suffered persecution for being Christians. You know, let me give you another historical note here. Y'all know how Peter died? You know the story of Peter's martyrdom? Jesus alludes to it actually in John chapter 21. Let me read this to you. Remember when okay, I've read I read this passage a lot referring to the feed my sheep sec, you know, uh, segment and I want to read to you the end of this statement because at the end of this little episode where Jesus is reinstated after denying Christ three times, Christ actually makes an allusion to how Peter will die. Here's what it says. This is John chapter 21, starting at verse 15. It says this, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? We said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. And he said to them a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to them the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now Peter was grieved because he said this to him a third time. Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. 
Truly I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you to where you do not want to go. Verse 19. This he said to show by what kind of death Peter was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. Peter was crucified by Nero. The emperor Nero was a wicked and evil emperor. And he had the apostle Paul beheaded. And the reason why Paul was beheaded is because he happened to have been a citizen of Rome. And to crucify a Roman citizen would be unthinkable. So Paul, in a sense, you can say he got out of it easy because he was just beheaded. It was over with pretty quick. But Paul, in his lifetime, suffered greatly for the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, suffered to the point of losing practically everything. Peter was crucified by Nero. Now, what many people don't know is that historically, Peter was crucified in a, in a place that was called the Circus of Nero. Now, the Circus of Nero, when we think of circuses, we think of flying trapezes, we think of animals and elephants and lions and lion tamers. That's not what this was. Um, if you've ever been to Rome, they have something called the Circus Maximus there. And a circus was a place where they would actually have chariot races. Okay, And so Peter was crucified in the center of the Circus of Nero. And when they drug him out to be crucified, Peter actually resisted the crucifixion. Not that he was trying to not get out of it. He didn't think himself worthy enough to be killed in the same manner as his Lord. And he protested. And he basically said, no, I am not worthy to be crucified the same way my Lord was crucified. And so what they said was, well, have it your way. So what did they do? They crucified him upside down. And he was crucified upside down in the center of the circus of Nero. And while Peter was being crucified, while he was being executed, it took him several days to die that way, by the way. On one of the days, the emperor Nero participated in the chariot races in the, in the circus of Nero. So while Peter is being crucified, there's literally a sporting event going on around him. What's interesting, though, is in the circus of Nero, there used to be an obelisk. That was that, uh, that Nero had erected to himself and I think to the sun. And that obelisk now sits, literally sits in the center of the uh, piazza at uh, St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. What was once erected to uh, a false god, a false king, a terrible, wicked man, Nero, now serves to honor the man that he crucified upside down. Keep that in mind. Being a Christian doesn't guarantee that you're going to have worldly pleasures or an easy life in this lifetime. It doesn't promise that at all. Anyway, we're going to take another break, and that's because I'm trying to be good about taking breaks. We're going to take another break, and uh, if you would like to email me about anything that we've talked about so far today, taking bong hits out the baby Jesus or uh, what you're hearing from Rex Quando. Email me, talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. We'll be right back.
My local Christian bookstore just sells Jesus schlock. Where can I find good material? We at NewReformationPress.com are committed to providing a hand-picked selection of books and teaching materials that educate, inform, and entertain while uniquely maintaining a relentless focus on the gospel. We believe that these forgotten doctrines and their scriptural emphases can not only enrich individual Christians and revive the church, but also address the deepest needs of our culture. Discover our growing library of resources by Dr. Rod Rosenblatt of the White Horse Inn radio program, including his powerful address, The Gospel for Those Broken by the Church, available exclusively at NewReformationPress.com, or the big-picture audio presentation Bible in an Hour by Pastor Wade Butler. Learn the center and scope of redemptive history and scripture in just one hour. And of course, be sure not to miss our selection of t-shirts, gifts, and artwork as well. NewReformationPress.com. Finally, Reformation Theology Made Accessible. If you want advice on how to have your best life now, you're in the wrong place. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. All right, welcome back to Fighting for the Faith. I am Chris Roseboro, and we're in the middle of doing a sermon review from uh, Pastor Bill, Bill Shear, also known as Rex Quando, from Guts Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The sermon series is called You University, and uh, we'll continue uh, listening to this. Stay tuned, because uh, this sermon gets really interesting about uh, minute 12. And uh, can't wait for you guys to hear what this guy has to say. Being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen you love, though now you don't see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith. Now listen, the salvation of your souls. In, in 3 John 2, John writes, it says, Brethren, I pray that you prosper and are in health, even as your soul prospers. How many of you guys, your souls are, are beginning to prosper in your life? Your, your souls are beginning to fatten up in your life. I mean, you've got to recognize this. Because a lot of times we look at the situations and what's going on in our life, we're like, oh my gosh, I've, I've given my life to God. Why aren't things turning out for me? Let me tell you how it happens. It happens from the inside out. It's as your soul prospers. That you prosper and are in health as your soul prospers. All right, uh, this is uh, should be alarming for you guys because I, yep, I smell prosperity gospel. I smell the prosperity heresy here. You know what's funny is is that uh, somebody com- <laughs> took me to task uh, for my last sermon review of uh, Rex Quando. I mean Bill Shear. And uh, basically accused me of a hatchet job on him, even though I, I did the play-by-play. I mean, this was, you know, this was definitely, you know, I was going through each and everything that he was saying line by line and, and commenting and pointing out the fact that this guy is a prosperity preacher. Okay, he's bought into the teachings of the prosperity movement, which you get on TBN, Joel Osteen, any of those people. And this this uh, person, Amanda, she wrote me, says, do you purposely try not to understand what Pastor Shear at Guts Church is saying? You misinterpreted everything he said. Uh, no, I didn't. Not in my last sermon review, and I'm not misinterpreting anything here. He uses verbiage that connects to people in this century, and you choose to alter his meanings. 
Uh, no, Amanda, no, I did not choose to alter his meanings. He actually alters what the meaning of God's word is. He's teaching the prosperity heresy. She says, um, okay, the size of our wallets, money, are you kidding me? That's what you took away from that? Yeah, that's because that's what he taught. I found your review, that was in quotes, more of a misleading hatchet job. I would think you would be better able to understand his analogies. They're not that difficult. Maybe you should try again. Well, I'm doing that right now just for you, Amanda. And you even misinterpret the meaning of the name of the church. Uh, No, actually, I don't misinterpret the name of either Guts Church or the church itself. Sorry, you're wrong. Okay, it's it's plain and simple. Pastor Shear teaches false doctrine. He's preaching a false Christ and a false gospel. And he's preaching the prosperity heresy. And wait till we get to the the kicker here. I'll remind you of that, Amanda, as we go on. So uh, back to Pastor Bill Shear. Man, your soul has got to become fat on God's word. Man, what you've got to do is you've got to ingest God's promise and 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 store it into your life and and make sure that man God's word is handy no matter what happens in you. Man, okay, I'm gonna agree with Pastor Share here. We we definitely need to be feeding on God's word. I, you know, I wonder if he and uh, he had a talk with um, uh, Stephen Furtick. Stephen Furtick says, "Did you come to church to get fat and you know?" You know, on God's word, well, we're not going to feed you. That was that's Stephen. You're going to starve to death at Furtick's church, but this guy wants you to get fat on God's word. Now that sounds great, but it's not just enough to get fat on God's word. Because what was Jesus's uh, rebuke of the Pharisees? He says, "You diligently study the word because you, know, the, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that in them you have life. Yet you refuse to come to me that you might have life." I'm going to say this, and I'm going to be blunt. It's not enough to read the scriptures, and I'll say it like that in, in, in this sense. You have to understand what the scriptures truly mean in context and not taken out of context. If you don't understand that the scriptures are about Christ and his rescue of humanity and what he's done for us, and you make it about you, you can read the Bible through three times a year, and it's not going to benefit you because you think it's about you and not about Christ. It, the analogy I like to use is the analogy of the story, the, uh, the movie The Sixth Sense. If you haven't seen it, I don't feel bad for you. I'm going to ruin the movie for you tough. You've had time to uh, actually see the movie The Sixth Sense. But in that movie, uh, Bruce Willis's character, you know, you watch the entire movie. It, it's a story about this kid who sees dead people and his, psycho- and, his, and his psychology sessions with this child psychologist who was Bruce Willis's character, right? And so the, Bruce Willis is trying to help this kid who sees dead people all the time. And they show him this kid seeing dead people all the time. What you don't realize through the entire first time you've gone through the movie is, is that Bruce Willis's character is, is one of those dead people. And so there's things going on in this guy's life, and you're thinking, man, that's all messed up. Okay, you know, his marriage is falling apart, and, you know, things are, he's not, communi- he and his wife aren't communicating. Well, you find out at the end, well, the reason why they weren't communicating is because he's dead. Okay? And so what happens is you don't know what's really going on in that movie until you understand that his character's dead. Once you understand it, the whole movie takes on a completely different meaning and a completely different emphasis. And you go back through and go, oh, man, I missed that. And, oh, I know I get that. And, whoa. Okay? Same thing with the scriptures. If you don't understand that the scriptures are about Christ, it's a closed book for you. And it's like watching the movie The Sixth Sense for the first time. You're watching the story, but you're not getting it. 
The reason you're not getting is because you don't know what the punchline is. I'm going to tell you this. The punchline is Jesus Christ. In the scriptures, the punchline is Jesus Christ. It's about him and what he's done to rescue us through his perfect righteousness, through his sinless death that atones for our sins on the cross and his propitiation of God's wrath on our behalf as our sacrifice for our sins. And that he rose again three days after he was crucified to prove that he was who he claimed to be, God in human flesh. The story is about him. Theology is about God. It's not about us. Well, listen carefully to Pastor Bill Shear here because he's he's not getting it. He doesn't get it. And even though he's recommending that we read the Bible, you're going to see very clearly shortly here in about six minutes that he doesn't get the scriptures at all. Then you're, you're, you're loaded and you're locked and you're ready no matter what kind of enemy you face. Man, it's time, to, it's time for us to begin to build better in our lives. It's time for us to have that renewing opportunity that God refreshes us every time we get in his word. And how many of you guys are in that kind of place that you, you begin to get refreshed no matter, no matter how things seem? Man, you get in God's word. Man, you begin to pray in the spirit. You get in God's word. And there's a refreshing that comes in your life. Man, that's what happens is, as, as we sing, we live by faith and not by sight. Man, it's just a reminder of me, the word that's stored in my, in my heart, that without faith it's impossible for me to please God. That we live by faith. Now, this sounds good, but what does it mean? What does it mean? He's using the same language that we would use, but he has different meanings. And you'll find out, you'll, you'll see that very, very, very starkly here shortly. Your, your, your faith has been, and listen, the salvation of your soul, man, what that, is, what that is, is the rescuing and the covenant nature of God that comes into your heart. Your faith has been, is being, and will be tested, period, end of subject. And if you've got symptoms in your body, let me, let me ask you guys, how many of you guys have symptoms in your body, symptoms of sickness or disease or whatever? Can I see your hands? Now, this is where it starts getting a little bit weird, where you realize something's really off here and you're not sure what it is. Let's, let's have him develop this thought. That's, you'll think, well, I've got, a, I've got a test of my health. Yeah, I happen to be suffering from the Pirate Christian Radio plague right now that John brought here. And that's what it feels like, but actually it's a test of your faith. And it's more precious than any prescription that you could get. More precious than gold that perishes. Man, what you've got to understand now is that, wait a second, and the testing of your faith, man, there's a fire that brings glory to God. Man, you put your faith to the test, and there's a fire that rages and purifies the genuineness of your faith. Man, that's, if you think about that, if you think, well, man, I've got a, I've got a, a, I've got a lump on my breast, or I've got, I've got a spot on my lung, or I've got, a, I've got some whatever kind of symptom that it is, you'll, you look at it and you'll say, wait a second, this is just, all this is doing is purifying my faith. All this. Huh? First, the first Peter passage that you quoted there was not about having a lump on your breast or anything like that. These are people who were dispersed because of their faith. They were being persecuted for confessing that Jesus Christ was Lord and none other. That's what that passage meant in context, Pastor Shear. Just do it is, is helping me stand up and realize what I really believe. Do you believe cancer can kill you? Do you believe cancer? Do you believe a tumor can take your life? Yeah, I've seen it happen to people. Just because it's taken other lives in the past, do you believe that it can take yours? Yeah, I'm mortal. I'm a sinner. And uh, the wages of sin is death. I've got a payday coming, Pastor. 
And just because you've, 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 you've gotten whipped or you've, you've failed before in life, do you, do, are other people having the situation that you're in? Are you, are you buying into that? Or can you buy into the very promise of God? What are you talking about? What promise of God are you talking about, Pastor Quando? Man, I told you, I warned you I was going to take you to school. Man, it's time for you to understand now. Yeah, I think I need to t- put this guy in a theological sleeper hold for the sake of you sheep out there. But I mean, seriously. Man, the nature of God is for you to win no matter what every day. What? The nature of God is for me to win no matter what every day. This sounds so inspiring. We can be just like you, Pastor Rex Quando. But is that what the Bible really teaches? Come on. Man, we're not here to practice. We're here to win. We're not here to, we're not here to work out. We're here to win. Man, your life is precious. Your life, man, man, the life that God's given you. Man, I'll tell you, angels right now are swarming this entire building, checking into what's going on in your life because they don't have what you have. Where does it say that in the scripture? Angels are swarming at Guts Church? Because people want to, they want to, the angels want to look into what's going on in your life. Uh, that doesn't sound right. They see you now having what Jesus had. And that's the, the place that we need to be. In Proverbs 4, 20 through 23, that's kind of going to be the cornerstone of how we start this series and this experience we have in God's word. My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Verse 21, do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Let me help you. A diagnosis of cancer is trying to get in the middle of your heart. What? A diagnosis of cancer means that there's something really going wrong with my body and I better better find out a good treatment to help me out here bankruptcy is trying to get in your in the crosshairs of your of your gaze uh, bankruptcy is not a thing it's not a, it is not a thinking thing is there a demon of bankruptcy that i'm not aware of demon of cancer that i'm not familiar with that isn't named in scripture if you believe in the demon of bankruptcy and the demon of cancer, email me. I'd like to talk with you. Because uh, there is not one single verse in the Bible that names such things. Let's continue. But you've got to not let God's word depart from your eyes. You've got to keep it, you gotta keep it in the midst of your heart. For their life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. We, we keep our hearts by keeping God's word in it. Uh, this is all you doing, by the way. Uh, another fourth use of the law here. Not even a proper use of the God's law. Anyway. And we've got to baptize our hearts and saturate our hearts with God's word and God's promise. For out of it springs the issues of life. And the issues that you're facing pale in comparison to the issues that come from your heart based upon the very promise of God. And this all starts, here we go, we're going to start on the Hundred keys or hundred points or hundred whatevers. <laughs> the hundred whatevers of U University. 
That was so profound. That was so deep, it was unfathomable. This all starts with these two simple words from Proverbs 4.20. My son. You do understand Proverbs 4.20 in context, right? Read it in context. And the question that I have for you this morning is, are you born again? Are you a child of God? Well, yeah, I was baptized. I'm born again. Is Jesus Lord and Savior of your life? That's the question that I have for you. See, if you're, if, if you're born again, if you're, if, if, you're, if you're living the life of God, then let me tell you, it all starts there. But if you're not, none of this is going to work out. See, So if I'm living the life of God, that means I'm doing the right things. That then I'm a son because I've earned it, right? Notice the misuse of the law here. See, the Bible says, and I, and I know some of you guys are raised that we're always sinners. Even if even when we give our life to God, I'm... <laughs> here it comes. I'm going to back this up just for a second here. Listen very carefully. You won't miss this one. It's like a, it's, it's about as subtle as a two-by-four to the head. Here we go. Listen up. I tell you, it all starts there. But if you're not, none of this is going to work out. See, the Bible says, and I, and I know some of you guys are raised that... We're always sinners. Even if even when we give our life to God, I'm not a sinner. If you'll ask me, you'll say, hey, sure, are you a sinner? No. And I'll tell you quite simply why I'm not a sinner is because the Bible says God doesn't hear the sinner. He's not a sinner. So kind of tying this back to the news story here of Pastor Bill Shear, otherwise known as Rex Quando, and Guts Church, they have their... All through October, they're going to have 30,000 people who are going to attend their nightmare haunted mansion, haunted house, house of horrors for Halloween. And if somebody just says, you know, I want to go find out more about that church and they attend the church, what they're going to hear is that once you're a Christian, you're no longer a sinner. Before I get into God's word, I want you to hear the rest of this quote. In fact, I'm going to back it up so you can hear it again. Rex Quando saying he's not a sinner. Sinners, even if we, even when we give our life to God, I'm not a sinner. If you'll ask me, you'll say, hey, sure, are you a sinner? No. And I'll tell you quite simply why I'm not a sinner is because the Bible says God doesn't hear the sinner. You know, there's better passages you might want to go to, Pastor Shear, but let's hear the rest of this quote. Well, I'm telling you, God hears me. He said, yeah, well, God hears me, and it says he doesn't hear sinners. That means I'm not a sinner. Wow, there's some logic for you. And you know what he does? He responds to my requests. Man, he, he, takes, he sits up on that throne and takes notice when I put a demand on his will. You have got to be kidding me. The God of the universe sits up, and when you make a demand on his will, he's going, okay, okay, Pilsher, I'll do whatever you need. This is, his God isn't even sovereign. Bill Shear is sovereign. Wow. Yeah, who's God here? Bill Shear's God. Bill Shear, I want to point something out to you. You say you're not a sinner, right? I would like to quote to you a passage from the Epistle of 1 John, chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, 
God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make God to be a liar and his word is not in us. Pastor Shear, you are lying and you are making God's word out to be a lie, to, to be a lie. The truth is not in you, Pastor Shear, because you don't know that you are a sinner. Let me let me point this one out. <laughs> Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul writing in the present tense, the time he wrote this, speaking about himself. The Apostle Paul writes, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh and sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it, that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh, for I desire to do what is right, but have no ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, what if I, now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin that dwells in me. So I find... It to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of sin? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. I bring as testimony against you, Pastor Shear, the Apostle John and the Apostle Peter. What you just said is not true. Let me put this in context here. I've got to play this again because Rex Quando says that he's not a sinner. Unbelievable. See, the Bible says, and I, and I know some of you guys are raised that we're always sinners. Even if even we give our life to God, I'm not a sinner. If you'll ask me, you'll say, hey, Shear, are you a sinner? No. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have no sin, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. And I'll tell you quite simply why I'm not a sinner, because the Bible says God doesn't hear the sinner. Well, I'm telling you, God hears me. No, he doesn't, because you're a liar. And you know what he does? He responds to my requests. God is not your puppet. God is not your dog. Man, he, he, takes, he sits up on that throne and takes notice when I put a demand on his will. No, he doesn't, because God is sovereign, and he would never stoop to being your servant in that sense. See, we've got to understand now that we are saved by grace. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. It's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. We're now notice, he's using same words that Christians have used for, for millennia. That we are saved by grace, but he's, com he's got a completely different meaning for that. Completely different meaning. I mean, his meaning completely leaves out the fact that he's still a sinner in need of a Savior. And now he's sovereign over God, and God has to stand up on his throne and take notice when Bill Shearer puts a demand on God. We're not sinners anymore. Man, God hears us. 
Do you mess up? Do you? Do we step up? Yeah, absolutely. You know what? We're. You know what? Every time you mess up, that's a sin. Just because you call it by another name doesn't mean that it's not a sin, Pastor Shear. Human, but we're not sinners. We're saved by grace through faith. Man, the very power of God, the very nature of God is functioning on the inside of us. But you know what? A lot of times we look at what we see or we determine how we feel and we allow that to insulate the nature of God that's on the inside of us. What? And you know what God's word's going to do for you this morning? It's going to begin to peel back those layers of insulation. And instead of you being insulated from the voice of God and the nature of God in your life, God's going to begin to insulate you from the torment of the world. Man, the world can't have your your attention anymore. Can't have your focus anymore. Man, fear can't grip your life anymore. Man, somebody living by faith doesn't lay awake at night. Fear will keep you up at night. Fear becomes a great enemy. But you know what? We've got faith in God. We've got faith in God's word. Number one is we're his son. We're his kin. We're born again. Number two We've embedded God's word in our hearts. You have to embed God's word in your heart. Like the one that says that uh, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. That one, and the truth is not in us. Did you embed that one in your heart, Pastor Shear? It has to be greater than, the, than, than, than just a reference in your heart. I think that's what most, a lot of people use use this as is God's word becomes just a reference that they use. You feel like it's just a reference that you go and man, if you need something quick from God, you go to, no, you know what? We've got to embed it in our heart. We have to allow God's word to take over. We have to allow the God to become a dictator in our heart as a benevolent dictator that he's trying to get everything that's his into our life. How many of you guys believe that? That God's trying to get everything that's his into you? I don't even know what you're talking about. And that's what this is all about. Heaven on earth. Really? Heaven on earth? Heaven on earth in what sense? The forgiveness of sins? No, I think he's talking material. And you'll say, well, no, this, the, we're, we're, they didn't design. No, there is. Let me tell you, there's no sting to death. We go from life to life. You passing from this earth and going to heaven needs to be seamless. That's the will of God. Jesus said, hey, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The will of God is heaven on earth for you. The will of God is the greatest life known to mankind for you. You've got to be kidding me. So if, I, if, I, if my name is Kenji and I live in the middle of Africa of the Maasai tribe, and I'm dirt poor. Am I in sin? The will of God is for you to be the envy of everybody out there. Where does it say that in Scripture, Pastor Shearer? That is a lie. The will of God is for your life to be so extravagant and so incredible that the nations take notice of it and call you a blessed nation. Really? Where is that in Scripture? See, we are, we are here not to, not to speak from our culture, but to speak to our culture. Through wealth? We're supposed to preach repentance and the forgiveness of sins. You ever read Luke 24? You're preaching material wealth. Amanda, I hope you're listening because you said I did a hatchet job on his last sermon review. No, I didn't. 
This guy's preaching health and wealth, the prosperity heresy. Blab it and grab it. This is not Christianity. In fact, if you believe this stuff, you're going to hell. But with a platform of influence. See, that's how you have to look at it. It's not little old me anymore. No, it's big, strong us now. The greatest group of people on the face of the earth are sitting right here in this room. People paying attention to God's word. People allowing God's word to groom them and mold them and mature them into who God's called them to be. Except for that part about them being sinners. We have to embed God's word in our hearts. And it ha- Except for that verse that says that uh, if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself. And the truth is not in you. See, by God's word, uh, Pastor Shear, God's word is not, the truth is not in you. You're not speaking truth. It has to be the source of direction for our thoughts and for our, for our emotions and for our, our speech and for our actions. It's got to be the source of direction of our lives. Is God's word your compass? Is God's word your plumb line? Well, apparently it's not for you because you're just picking and choosing which parts you want to believe, sinless Shear. See, it, it has to be, and it's the and it's the I, it, it, the second biggest point that I can make to you. The first point is you got to be born again. Jesus has to be Lord of your life, and Lord means master. The second is is you got to embed His Word in your heart. You can't play church anymore. We're not here to play. We're not passing out plastic bats and wiffle balls. I'm telling you, this is full contact church right here, right now. Uh, it's not really church because you're not really preaching God's word. And, uh, yeah, I'm, we're doing full contact fighting for the faith here. And uh, that was just uh, me putting you into a lock and pinning you to the mat. It's time for you to allow this to come in and cut you at the quick, separating your soul and your spirit, your bone and your marrow. Uh, Pastor Shear, you're a sinner. You need to repent. What you're teaching is falsehood. That's what God's word's designed to do. In Proverbs 4 and verse 23 through 26 in the Amplified, and I know some of you guys aren't familiar with that, so look on the screen. The Amplified translation of the Bible in verse 23 says, Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard. Man, guard guard your heart. And how you guard it is that you, you, you saturate it with God's word. For out of it flow the springs of life. Now listen to this. Put away from you false and dishonest speech and willful and contrary talk put far from you. Well, we need to stop listening to you then. Because <laughs> that's serious. We, we need to put that far from us, Pastor, because you are a liar because you don't say you're a sinner. We say we have no sin. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. God's word says. I don't feel good as dishonest speech coming from a Christian. I don't feel good. I'm sick. I happen to have a cold or a flu. So that's dishonest speech? Because because the word directs us not to live by how we feel. Think- and you're relating that to whether or not we have an illness? Things don't look good becomes disingenuine to a believer in Jesus. It becomes an oxymoron. Let your eyes look right on, on, on with fixed purpose and let your gaze be straight before you. Man, our eyes aren't shifting. We're not, we're not here flinching and blinking anytime that there's a loud noise. Consider well the path of your feet 
and let all your ways be established and ordered aright. Man, the Bible says many of the plans of a man's heart, but God directs his steps. And he's just quoting verses out of context at this point. To what end? The Bible says God directs the steps and, and actually puts footprints in front of the righteous. Man, this is, this, this is an easy walk, an easy race for us. God doesn't want to just get you on track this morning. He wants to get you out front this morning. Man, how many of you guys are, are, in, are in debt? I'm telling you, the Bible says that his victory swallows up our debt. Debt of sin. Debt of sin. It's, it's from Colossians chapter 2. The de- it's a debt of sin that we, uh, c- c- we owe God because of our sinfulness. Oh, man. He's, he, he thinks that's literal debt. See, we've got to understand that doctors may have diagnosed and tried to prognose you. Let those, di- let those doctors diagnose you all day long. But let God's word be your prognosis. If your doctor says you have cancer, you you need to get treatment, folks. The, if you listen to this guy, you you could die. Literally die. And not only that, if this is the stuff you believe, you're gonna die in your sins. God's word, He He's promised to satisfy us with long life. You might be here and you might be 80 or 85 years old. Some of you guys will say, Well, God promises us. Three score and ten. No, let me tell you, he promises some people 120. I'm telling you, don't stick with 70. I'm telling you, I'm 50 right now. I got I got more than 20 great years left in my life. How do you know you could be in a motorcycle accident tomorrow? You've got to be kidding me. You're you're telling me I've got to not settle for being 70 years old? I'll be happy if I make it to through this show. Give me a break. Come on. Old guys are waking up. No, because you know what the word says? What does Psalm 92.13 say? Those who are playing, I want to hear you. Let's let's start a fight in here this morning. What does Psalm 92.13 say? Ready? Roll. Roll. And what does verse 14 say? And in old age, they'll still be fresh and flourishing. Man, I'm telling you, with a long life, he'll satisfy you. You ever heard of living forever? It's called eternal life. And if I die young, it's not because I didn't have faith. It's because God numbered my days before I was even born. If you're in your 40s or 50s and somebody's trying to prognose five years on your life, you reject it. Don't let it come out of your mouth. What? Well, the doctors give me three years. And I don't like that. And three years ago was like a month ago in my memory. Oh, because it's about no. You. We've got to we've got to take charge of our lives. We prosper and are in health as our soul prospers. Uh huh. I think we've heard just about enough from the non-sinner liar Bill Shear. So, folks, you there in Tulsa, Oklahoma? Keep in mind that big nightmare haunted mansion that they have there. 30,000 people are going to come through. And if they decide they want to attend Guts Church as a result of being scared to death at the nightmare haunted house. 
they don't know fear yet because after attending Guts Church and dying in that faith, which isn't the real gospel, um, they'll end up in hell and get to experience true torment. But I want to leave you on a good note here. Notice that we've gone the longest we've ever gone at fighting for the faith. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a double hitter. We're almost in, we're almost going to do two hours. I want to read to you what the, the Apostle Paul wrote uh, from Second Corinthians chapter eleven. I'm going to read most of this chapter, and I want you to compare this to what you heard. Okay, now he's writing to the Corinthian church who are being deceived by a group of people that he, that Paul tongue in cheek very sarcastically calls the super apostles. Okay, and uh, Bill Shear, aka Rex Quando. From Guts Church sounds a lot like a super apostle, okay? And uh, I want you to listen carefully to what Paul writes. Second Corinthians chapter eleven verse one says, "I wish you would bear with me a little foolishness, so do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ." For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus other than the one that we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Not a good thing. In other words, there's false Christ, there's other false Christ, false gospels, and false spirits. Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. Even if I am unskilled in speaking, and I am not so in knowledge, indeed, in every way we have made this plain to you in all things. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted because I preached God's gospel to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. And when I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. Listen to what Paul is saying. He literally was saying he was poor and in need when he was preaching the gospel at Corinth. So much so that he needed support. Verse 10. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. And why? Because I do not love you? God knows that I love you. And what do I and what I do I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will actually correspond to their deeds. I repeat, let no one think me foolish, but even if I do, if you do, accept me as a fool, so that I too may boast a little. What I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not with the Lord's authority, but as a fool. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will then boast. So Paul's going here and he's going to boast. Okay. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools being wise yourselves. That's sarcasm. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool. I dare to boast all the more of that. Are they Hebrews? Well, so am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the offspring of Abraham? Well, so am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. 
I'm talking like a madman. This is Paul speaking tongue-in-cheek. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, and danger from false brothers. In toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food. In cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God of the Father of the Lord, uh, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus, He who is blessed forever knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor and king of Artrius was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. But I was let down in a basket through a window and in the wall and escaped by his hands. That is the Christian faith that Paul is proclaiming. It's a faith, it's a faith where it could cost you your life. You could be in danger. You could be sleepless and without food. I say that the Apostle Paul was a true Christian if there ever was one, and that Bill Shear of Guts Church and his message is a different gospel. It's a different Christ that he's speaking of. Even though he uses the same Bible, this is not the Christian message, this message that you can overcome and that God wants you to be a winner in life and to experience heaven on earth, and he's talking about material blessings. That's not what the Scriptures teach, and that's not what the Apostle Paul experienced. In fact, it's not what Jesus Christ himself experienced. He was not wealthy. He was humble. He came from a very poor town called Nazareth. And his end was crucifixion and death. And the servant is not better than his master. If they persecuted him, they will persecute us. In fact, Christ himself says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is coming with his angels in, in, in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what they have done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom referring to the uh, Mount of Transfiguration. But Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow him. A cross is a device of torture and death. Christ doesn't say, come and indulge yourself, and I'm going to make you a winner and you're going to have heaven on earth. Christ says, come and deny yourself. Deny. Completely different messages. Thanks for staying with us today as we went really long here on Fighting for the Faith. Um, if you would like to email me, you can do so. You can do so at uh, talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. That's talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. You can respond to anything that you heard on today's extra long show. 
Until next time, may the Lord bless you. 